this is it. This is the last week of Jesus' life. In just over 100 hours, Jesus will stand trial for crimes he did not commit and be sentenced to a public crucifixion he does not deserve. He knew it, but his dream team had no clue they were busy selling Jesus for Messiah bumper stickers. When they arrived in Bethphage, just two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of the twelve into town with a strange shopping list. When you two go into that village over there, you're going to find a donkey and its colt hitched to a post. Now the colt has never been ridden, so don't even try it. Just loose them both and bring them to me. They probably shrugged and headed into town, but sure enough, just like Jesus said, they found a donkey and its colt hitched to a post. And as they were hot-wiring them, their owners came out. Um, can I help you, fellas? These men of God had been caught boosting burrows, but Jesus gave them an answer when the owner asked the question. Yes, the Lord needs these two. I doubt the owner ever heard that excuse. Uh, yes, sir, the man we call Messiah wants to take these two for a test drive. When they led the donkey and colt back to Jesus, they threw their coats on these beasts of burden for saddles, and Jesus sat on the colt. Mind you, this is a colt that its owner had not even ridden. It'd be scary to jump on an unbroken colt and ride it around the parking lot, but it would be deadly to jump on an unbroken colt and ride it two miles down a mountain. Nobody knew what to think. Jesus was great at stopping funerals and unstopping deaf ears, but we've never seen him tame a donkey. But they were shocked when that little colt stood there and allowed Jesus on its back. Jesus chose a baby donkey, not because the rental car company was out of full sizes. He was fulfilling a 550-year-old prophecy from Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You'll find that prophecy in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Well, today was the day Jesus would introduce himself to his people in his holy city. For the last three years, Jesus has worked wonders and preached to thousands outside of Jerusalem. But on this day, he was about to ride in a one-float parade into the holy capital city into a crowd that had swelled to nearly three million people. And we're going to hear all about that right after this fun, catchy tune. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You are listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to The Jesus Blip on Simplify. As Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, the crowd came out of the woodwork, from this village and that village. Some even came running out of the city and up the mountain. They heard about Jesus. They read about Jesus. But they were about to meet Jesus. Jesus was the most popular celebrity in his time. Thousands of people followed him just to see him work one miracle. Some even followed him just to touch the hem of his clothes. But Jesus knew it would not always be like this. He took his disciples aside and told them, the Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He will be killed. He will be crucified. Listen to me, boys. I'm going to die so you can live. But they didn't want to believe him. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. We got a good thing going here. Let's not mess this up. If we walked through every miracle Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John recorded, we'd be here until Christmas 2024. And even John said at the end of his book that all the books in all the world could not contain all the miracles and the wonders he worked. We fast forward back where we started. Jesus had started down the mountain and his 12 disciples were right there beside him. 
The crowd is in front of him, beside him, behind him. People ripped down palm branches and paved the way with palm branches and praise. People ripped off their coats and cloaks and threw them on the ground in front of Jesus. Others raised a hand toward him as a salute. Others clapped their hands to celebrate. Some of the silvered elders wiped tears from their eyes because they finally, finally saw the Messiah with their own eyes. When Jesus reached the edge of Jerusalem, you could hear the roar for miles. People were bowing. People were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Palm branches swinging, jackets flying, hands clapping, people crying. So glad that the wonder-working miracle man, many call Messiah, was now in their midst. When Jesus was in Jerusalem, the whole city was moved and amazed at his preaching. It was cool to be a Jesus fan. You could buy Jesus' jersey for 20 shekels and two denarii. All the young guys had one. Jesus posters, Jesus calendars, Jesus hats, Jesus shoes. The disciples were selling Jesus bumper stickers. It was quite the scene as Jesus rode into Jerusalem for the first time. The common people were amazed. The religious people were appalled. How dare he parade himself in front of the nation on an economy-sized mule with roll-down windows and a tape deck. That's beneath him. The Romans were amused, making donkey jokes and elbowing each other at the thought that this is the one to incite a revolt and riot. And in hell, some of the demons were celebrating and high-fiving each other, toasting one another for the good work they had done. They had finally led Jesus right into the heart of the people who hated him most. By the end of the week, they would do their best to make sure he was good as God. But somewhere in the belly of hell, in a dark control room lit up with radar screens and scriptures, there was a well-versed, well-studied, well-read minion, not a yellow one, but a well-versed minion nevertheless who knew the scriptures. And he watched the screens and he read the scriptures and he reported this Jesus blip for the first time in Nazareth when an angel appeared to a teenage girl, terrified teenage girl named Mary that she would bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel, just like Isaiah prophesied. And then he continued to watch the radar screen and continued to read the scriptures, and he reported again to his supervisors whenever he discovered that their Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem. And he knew, he knew Micah prophesied the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He continued to watch the radar screens and read the scriptures as his Jesus and his family fled as refugees to Egypt right after Jesus was born. And he knew Hosea prophesied the Savior would come out of Egypt. And then when they left Egypt, they returned to Nazareth. And he knew Isaiah prophesied as well that although the land of Zebulun had been in darkness for such a long time, now they had seen a great light. And he pulled out all of the maps from the Old Testament and he overlaid them, all the maps on what would now be the New Testament. And he discovered the land of Zebulun that had lived in darkness, though which was now going to see a great light, happened to surround the land of Nazareth. From before the day Jesus was born, all the way to this day, he had watched as the Jesus blip got closer and closer and closer to Jerusalem. And he knew Zechariah prophesied that the Savior would come riding in on a donkey, and here he was riding in on a donkey all the way into Jerusalem. He also knew because of the Romans occupied Jerusalem 
that Jerusalem was a premium site for crucifixion, and the Psalms prophesied of crucifixion long before the Romans thought of it. The psalmist prophesied, they looked on me whom they had pierced, and Isaiah foretold of a suffering Savior who would be wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And later, they made his grave with the wicked, with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. But he also knew about the 16th psalm, the scary one, the frightening one. When the psalmist said, you will not leave my soul in shale or in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. He knew the Messiah would come. He knew the Messiah would work wonders and miracles. He knew the Messiah would be hailed as the Messiah. He also knew the Messiah would be pierced, crucified. He would be struck down. He would be killed. But the one verse that scared him was the one from the 16th Psalm. He would not stay in the grave. But there was one verse he just could not quite understand. He had studied it all through Underworld College. He even wrote a senior thesis about it, but he couldn't quite figure out how it fit in the whole scheme of God's holy plan. It was found all the way back in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We know it as Genesis chapter 3. When God prophesied to Satan himself of a coming Savior, and he promised, I will put enmity between you and the woman, your seed and her seed, he will bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. The very best the devil would ever be able to do to Jesus would be to bruise his heel. But when it was all said and done, Jesus would crush his head. As the crowd worshipped the religious scowl, the Romans laughed, the demons high-fived and raised their glasses to celebrate. This worried Radar technician in a control room in the belly of hell with only screens and scriptures began to sweat because he understood exactly what was happening, but nobody was listening. Jesus was heading to Jerusalem to die, but he was not dying for his crimes or his sins. He was dying for ours. And when he shed his innocent blood, all our guilty sins could finally one day be covered, be forgiven, be remitted, be paid for be washed away. And one day, Jesus would be buried. But three days later, he would not stay in the grave. It must have scared him out of his brimstone-stained sandals to realize Jesus would not stay in the grave. He was going to rise from the dead. But Jesus was only the first. I don't want to ruin the ending for you, so I'll share that part with you next week. But this is a great time to pray. We can trust the Word of God. God prophesied all of this before it ever happened. So let's pray today. The Lord would help us to trust his word. And let's pray today. The Lord would help us to worship. Today is a day to celebrate and worship. The Messiah has come. People realized who he was. They just didn't quite realize what he had come to do. But we do. We realize it, who he is, what he's come to do. And we realize the power that comes with the gospel. Lord, we worship you today. We praise you. You're the Almighty. You're the wonderful Savior. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your kindness, your forgiveness. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the price you paid for us on Calvary. Thank you for the power that you displayed when you came out of the grave 
Thank you for being willing to give your life for ours. Thank you for being willing to lay down your life. When you could have walked out of Jerusalem, you chose to lay down your life in Jerusalem so we could have life. Thank you, Jesus. I do pray for all of those who are listening. You've made a promise through your word. You've made a promise through prayer. You've made a promise through preaching. Help us to hold fast to your word. Help us not to let go of it. Help us to trust you just as you said. Everything will happen just as you said. Help us today to trust you in the name of Jesus. We pray it and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, Simplify listeners. I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. Happy Palm Sunday to you, no matter where you are around the world. I hope this episode has encouraged you to trust the Word of God and to worship God no matter what. If you have not yet clicked subscribe, please be sure to do so. You won't miss an episode and nobody else has to miss one. Also click share. That way you can share this podcast with others. If you're looking for some other resources to help you in your walk with God and your discipleship, visit PentecostalPublishing.com. There are a ton of Bibles, Bible studies, books, a couple books I've written. One's called Simplify, which launched this podcast. The other is called Ten Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments. They're both available at PentecostalPublishing.com. Also at Amazon for Kindle in Ten Words is available on Audible if you would rather listen than read. Or if you live in a Knox County, Mount Vernon, Ohio area, you can pick up Ten Words at Paragraphs Bookstore at the corner of South Main and East Ohio. And if you do live in the Knox County, Ohio area, and you are looking for a place and a church family with whom you'd like to worship Jesus and celebrate his resurrection, join us at Vernon Church. We will be having service. Sunday school classes start at 10 and then morning worship at 11. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday and practically every Sunday, but especially this coming Easter Sunday. So join us, 1635 Old Delaware Road here in scenic colonial Mount Vernon, Ohio. Next week is Easter week, and I want to share with you a devotion all about the empty tomb, and I am really excited to share that good news with you next week. And also and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplified.